0: hers. Shout out to all those joining us virtually. Thank you all for joining us for worship today. Um, Thank you, Tech, for working so hard. Worship team, you are amazing. Thank you to all of our volunteers. Um, Thank you, Alyssa. I'm really choked up right now by that amazing testimony. And thank you, Josh, for all that you shared. Yes, our care team, our care ministry is extremely important um, in the work that we do. So as Josh mentioned, we are starting a new sermon series today is called the sacraments, and perhaps some of you are familiar with the sacraments or you have gone through the sacraments. We'll provide a bit of an overview. (laughs) We'll give some historical perspective, and then I'll be able to share um, a bit about um, this topic as it relates to my personal life. So a sacrament is a Christian rite. It's a ceremony. It's a rite of passage where we are able to show visibly what our faith is all about. Um, These sacraments, they're seven, they're ordained by Jesus, and they essentially reflect the reality of God in our lives, as well as a channel of God's grace. So some of these sacraments are received only once, others, have active ongoing participation so maybe folks are confirmed one time and maybe as it relates to communion is something that you do on a regular basis in the way that we do it here at forefront Um, i know some of you might ask are sacraments necessary for my christian walk and for my christian journey in some faith traditions yes they are required in others maybe not so much here at Forefront. There are a number of them that we do practice. So the United States Council of Catholic Bishops has broken down these seven sacraments into various categories, and I'll share them with you. There are the sacraments of Christian initiation. That would include baptism that we're going to be preaching on. I'll be preaching on that in a couple of weeks. Confirmation. Josh has confirmation, and then Eucharist or communion. Josh will be preaching on that. The next category is sacraments of healing, and this is broken down into confession or penance. I'll be preaching on that. And the anointing of the sick. Josh will be preaching on that. And then the third category as it relates to sacraments are the sacraments of service. So there are holy orders. Uh, Josh will be preaching about that. And then there's matrimony, marriage, which I am actually preaching on today. So what comes to mind for each of you as it relates to marriage? Is it your family experience? Is it what you have personally been exposed to? Or are they shows like Love is Blind or (laughs) Say Yes to the Dress? Um, Maybe you're thinking... Why on earth, in this progressive situation, are we talking about marriage when it is an outdated institution, very patriarchal and you can have lifelong marriage, lifelong commitment without getting married, right? So maybe there are a bunch of things going through your mind, but sometimes some of us get the warm fuzzies as it relates to marriage and weddings and things of that nature. And I don't know what does it for you, but maybe listening to certain songs raises those emotions. Songs like, Marry me today and every day. That doesn't do it for you? (laughs) Maybe songs like, Meet me at the altar in your white dress. (laughs) We ain't getting no younger, we might as well do this. Or, Maybe a little Stevie does it for you, like there's a ribbon in the sky, ribbon in the sky, ribbon in the sky for our love. Or maybe something does it for you like it did it for me, a song by Morette Brown-Clark that I wound up singing for Todd. He had no idea during our wedding ceremony. I surprised him with a little of this. The one that I dreamed about, the one I can't live without, the one he kept for me until it was time. And he was frozen. He was in shock. <laughs> he had no idea. Um, But then sometimes our feelings may be the exact opposite as it relates to marriage. Sometimes it can elicit very uncomfortable feelings, particularly if it's something that you're not interested in, if you're not a romantic, if you have no desire to have a relationship or be married. Maybe you're a bit uncomfortable if you've ever been horrified by a bridezilla or a groomzilla. Or maybe you want to be married and maybe you're not in a place where you are seeing someone that you think is potential marriage material, and then you keep getting that question from folks. I know I used to get it all the time. So are you dating anyone? And um, when are you gonna be getting married? And then maybe you've been told that you cannot marry because of how you identify and because of who you love. Or maybe you get uncomfortable if you've ever been married and divorced, Or maybe, like me, you've experienced divorce in your family, so at times it can be a bit uncomfortable. And maybe you have uncomfortable feelings because you actually got married. However, day in and day out, you keep asking the question, why on earth did I even get married? And I had a really good graphic for you. But anyway, um, the sacrament. (laughs) The sacrament of marriage is a loaded one for sure. Um, no matter how we feel about this institution and everything associated with it, from expos to invitations and banquets and dresses and wedding halls and cakes and cupcakes and DJs and bands, and, and after all that's done, the actual ceremony and the kids and the house and all of that, no matter how you feel about it, marriage is probably going to be here for the long haul and this sacrament has crossed countries and cultures and classes and centuries some may call it a long-standing universal enduring tradition in our society others may call it capitalism while others may ask like tina turner what's love got to do got to do with it i told someone i'm gonna be singing for this wow. sermon <laughs> for this sermon but in terms of my familial exposure to marriage my paternal grandparents grandpa rito and grandma Pearlie uh Corporu, down in yatesville north carolina were married for many many years uh my my maternal grandparents nana and granddaddy whitley were married just shy of 60 years my parents Lucy and Robert Rodman got married in Harlem New York they purchased their home in Teaneck New Jersey and then things were going great until they weren't and after 12 or 13 years when I was about six years old they wound up getting divorced and I knew based on what my family went through and their breakup that I really didn't want to get divorced and I knew that that's not something that I wanted for my life and as a result I was trying really hard to be discerning as it related to partners and things of that nature because I have to say even though during my single life I went through a lot there were times when I struggled because I did want to be married and there were some ups and downs there because I lived such a fulfilling life as a single I honestly was was like this marriage thing, if I decide to do it, better be good. Because my, my single life was pretty dope. And, and I said to myself, and I told my friends, my family, and anyone who would listen, that I would prefer to be single and satisfied than married and miserable. That was my stance. And there are so many angles one can approach when covering the topic of marriage, much too vast for today's cer- sermon. Um, but as I was reflecting on so much, all I could think about was NDIRE's song, in addition to a host of other songs, I'm not going to sing this one, but it's called complicated melody. <laughs> as it relates to marriage, I'm like, yeah, it's beautiful. However, this thing is complicated, right? A complicated melody. So as it relates to Christian culture, um, we promote, Primarily, love matches. People are getting married because they fall in love. They have a desire to be with someone for the rest of their lives. However, around the globe, it's important to note that um, in some cases, there are all different types of marriages. For instance, there are arranged marriages where parents choose their children's spouse. Uh, Polygamy is practiced in a number of places. The practice of marrying multiple spouses. So it's important to note that there are a lot of different types of marriages around the world. And then there's some really interesting statistics as it relates to marriage. Our society, as I mentioned, is focused on love matches and being romantically involved. However, and and 88% believe that it's it's an important reason to get married, right? Because you love the person. However, 81% consider a lifelong commitment as being a very important reason to enter into marriage. 76% believe that companionship is vital and then 49% thought that having kids was an important reason to get married. And then 28% felt that financial stability ranked extremely high as a reason to enter into marriage. Now these statistics are extremely interesting because for centuries marriage was actually viewed as a practical arrangement between two families. Monogamous marriages were a way of expanding the family labor force and legitimizing children with men claiming their offspring and their wives as part of their household and as part of their property. So this ensured that any family wealth was passed down accordingly in addition to family name so the idea as love as a primary reason for marriage began to spread actually even though there were signs of it in the 14th century it actually really began to spread during the 18th and 19th centuries um, due to the french and american revolutions and then the enlightenment period the time when there was a lot of uh, thought around um, individuality. During this time, Enlightenment thinkers were promoting the right to personal happiness. And people actually began to, at that point, select their partners for the first time, rather than relying on family structure. So marriages can be religious. Sometimes marriages are solely civil. Sometimes there's a combination of both, religious and symbol and, and civil in the same ceremony. So down through the centuries though, and today in various religions, we continue to see scripture being used as a guidepost for marriage. It has been used to strongly encourage those who are dating to get married because we've heard it said, it's better to marry than to burn with lust and, lust and passion as 1 Corinthians 7 and 9 tells us. However, as we in the progressive faith movement begin to reconstruct our faith, we're beginning to have conversations related to moving from sex toxicity to sex positivity, like our sermon series, Highlights, which you can find online in our archives between May and July of 2021, our sex positivity series. So it has been used to, ow, yes. (laughs) We see scripture used as the reason married couples are pressured to have children because we've heard it said, because of Genesis and God's words to Adam and Eve, you must bear fruit and multiply. So you must have kids. However, as we think about the whole deconstructing and reconstructing our faith, we're asking more questions. Um, What about those who can't have children? What about those who have no desire to have children? And what about those who legit can't afford to have children? So in addition, (laughs) we see uh, the marriages of queer couples being minimized and marginalized based on the creation of Adam and Eve and then the question is posed, isn't marriage equality the law of the land? And shouldn't these couples have full equal recognition under the law? We're thinking about reconstructing our faith in how we see scripture. And then we see scripture being used to justify advising couples to stay in toxic relationships to just stay no matter what because of Jesus' reference to the law in Matthew. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And is this even at the cost of some other issues? What about emotional manipulation? What about control? What about someone inflicting power on another person? These are the questions that we're beginning to ask in light of those particular verses. So it's so important for us to think about what is the context and what is the culture related to scripture and related to some of these words that are keeping many people bound in certain situations. I would refer you to our Bible say what series which we were able to share at the beginning of this year from I believe January 2023 to the beginning of March please go to our archive and check it out with how we are able to unpack scripture and dance with the text and really interrogate some of the things that we have been taught throughout our lives so there's so many questions and considerations for those interested in celebrating the sacrament If this sacrament is supposed to reflect the reality of God in our lives and a channel of God's grace then maybe marriage is an opportunity to put into practice the words of Jesus in mark 12 verses 28 to 31 when he was questioned by a religious scholar and the text reads which is most important of all the Commandments and Jesus said the first In importance is this. Listen, Israel. The Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. How can we begin to reframe and reposition our ideas about marriage to further incorporate Jesus' words to love God, ourselves, and others? This can start with marriage partners focusing on the love they have for each other and then extending that love to intentionally work as agents of change through God's love so that double the lives are impacted and double the lives can be recipients of Jesus' love and Jesus' healing, power, and joy. This can happen when partners come together already having a sense of identity, purpose, and fulfillment, when they can allow their relationship to further enhance who they are and what they have been called to do. When Todd and I first met, as, we, as I alluded to earlier, we were living fulfilled lives on our own. Both of us enjoyed spending time with our families and empowering the youth in our life, and our godkids and our nieces and nephews. Both of us loved traveling, both of us love social events and the arts. Todd had finished grad school, I was just finishing up ser- um, seminary, and we enjoyed going to our respective churches. We both, in our own ways, loved life, and we were devoted to loving God, ourselves, and others, doing our own thing. And then a mutual friend rolls around, and he's like, hey, Vanita, how you doing? I got somebody I want you to meet. Now, let me tell you something. When I met Todd, I was, like, late 30s, so best believe that I was really used to people trying to set me up throughout my 20s and 30s. So when Mitchell came to me and said, Vanita, I want you to meet my friend, and I said, Mitchell, I do not want to meet your friend. It's, it is okay. And his one-liner was, come on, Vinita, you've got to meet my friend, Todd. He's my only friend who goes to church. <laughs> and I said, he goes to church, but does he know Jesus? <laughs> That was Vanita in 2002, okay? (laughs) So, then I heard he was just coming back from Spain on a business trip, and I'm like, oh, I like to travel too. I've been to Spain. Oh, that's interesting. So, anyway, long story short, we wound up meeting, and here we are. So, what attracted us to each other were our shared interests and our goals. And while we grew to love each other deeply, truth be told, we really liked each other. And we still like each other, right? The love is there, and that's all beautiful, but it's like we love hanging out with each other. And we tell our friends who have called us the twins, who have said that we're joined at the hip, who refer to us as the Benjamin Button couple. <laughs> our friends crack up because they know how much we love spending time, and we try to do. Everything together, it's really impossible. But we try to do as much as we can together. And while we certainly enjoy our time with ourselves, we love the time that we have together. Because truth be told, we got married to do life together and to make an impact and to touch lives. And there were things that I wanted to be discerning about as it related to who Todd was and how he interacted with the people in his life. When I saw the way that he treated his parents, when I saw the way that he treated his grandmother, the time that he, when we were dating, he's like, I have to fly you to Florida to meet my paternal grandmother. That's when I was sold because I felt if someone had a close relationship like their family, like I did, then I knew that that could be a potential mate for me and that that person could potentially be there for the long haul. So those are the things that I saw 20 years ago when we met and those are the same things that showed up when it was time for us to care for my parents and Todd was right there because had he not had that same mentality to be a caregiver, it would not have worked. We would not have been living together for those five, six years. So when I saw the way he helped Guide and helped support my sister and I as we, as my mother made her transition, I knew that I made the right choice. And there are many times that Todd says to me, after I say thank you for something or I acknowledge something that he does, he says, Vanita, you've seen the rest. That's why you settle for the best. <laughs> so, You know, I mean, let's be clear. Todd and I got married when I was 39 and he was 41. And I would advise anyone to think critically about not feeling bad about getting married when you're older, about really connecting with yourself and understanding who you are, because those are the types of things that help get you through the difficult times. I like to refer to Todd as my partner in squashing oppression through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Bishop Michael Curry, in his royal wedding ceremony sermon at the marriage of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, said these words. Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in all of history, a movement grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world, and a movement mandating for people to live that love, and in doing so, to change not only their lives, but the very life of the world itself and that's what we are attempting to do in our relationship. The foundation of love is what I needed to help mitigate anything that could potentially lead to a breakup, particularly as someone, as I had mentioned, has been uh, in a family where their parents have been divorced. Something else that was helpful, before we got married, we counseled, we were trained, we went through premarital with not one, not two, But three pastors, (laughs) my pastor who was going to help officiate, Todd's pastor who was going to help officiate. And then because we wanted a woman, we wanted to hear advice from a woman, we got a third person, all right? And after we got married, we went through two courses together. Um, The Gottmans, the seven principles for making marriage work. There was like a six-week series. And we, we did that to help strengthen our marriage, right? Because we have those moments when... Fellowship is a little intense. When we don't see eye to eye, and it gets very frustrating when our communication is off, and then we throw in our one-liner that Todd learned when he was in grad school at NYU, I would encourage you to reflect. And and that's when I say, no, you reflect. these are the types of things that we do to help strengthen our marriage and our commitment to each other the advice that we heard from those pastors who told us don't be too prideful about saying you apologize and when you hear your partner apologize say I forgive you and then like don't go to bed arguing don't go to bed mad at each other and lean into someone when they are talking to you and have a response and you know make sure you have effective communication all those things we remember and we play them out in our life because love casts out fear doubt shame and allows you to feel safe and vulnerable with god yourself with your partner and with your community and this is a true testament of the way Bishop Curry went on to say, when love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream, and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will become a sanctuary. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are siblings, children of God. I am fully convinced of that power of love and that lives can be transformed, liberated and healed when love is the way. I know that it was the power of love and forgiveness as well as restoration that after 25 years of divorce brought my parents back together again in marriage. I know that their reunification touched and impacted an untold number of lives. And I know that as the power of love that has been instilled in Todd and I from both sets of parents. His parents were married nearly 50 years before his dad passed. And both sets of grandparents. Those generations of marriages that keep us united, that keep us moving forward, and that helps our marriage to be a channel of God's grace, generosity, light, and love. My sister and her husband like to use a particular phrase as it relates to their marriage. And I will close the sermon with this because Todd and I have adopted it as well. After 17 and a half years of marriage, Todd and I are still on the honeymoon and the people of God said, amen. (laughs) Amen. Worship team, I'd like to invite you up as we begin to prepare for communion. Love, loving God ourselves and others. Uh, This is an opportunity where we're able to practice and share together and celebrate the sacrament of communion, which we'll be talking a bit more about in a few weeks. And it's an opportunity to celebrate and recognize the resurrection of Jesus, which brings us life and life more abundantly. So when you come to the table, I would encourage you to reflect on that unconditional love and that life that Jesus gives each and every one of us. All are welcome to come to the table at this time, and I would ask that you would please hold your elements. We have chalices with gluten-free wafers and alcohol-free juice. I would ask that you would hold it so that we can receive together. Amen? You may come at this time.